Hi, it's Jeff here. Before we start our latest Six Nations pod, just a quick word to remind you of the Harp and Guinness Pint Predictor League. If you think you can predict the scores from this year's championship better than our panelists, then why not prove it by first downloading the free Fanzo app, then joining our league. Just enter the code HARPIN, that's H-A-R-P-I-N. There's a signed copy of the book on how to become a pro rugby player by Brian Moylet to be won by the best score in a single Six Nations round. The leader so far is Andrew Byrne with 67 points, and you'll have two more chances to beat that. And of course, you can also win a free pint from every match just by getting close enough to the right result. Right, time to start harping on rugby. Welcome to Harpin' on Rugby. My name is Jeff Pagano and once again I've been joined by my fellow fans to harp on what's going on with Leinster, Ireland and the wider rugby world. My first guest contributor today is someone earning his 33rd cap. Welcome back to Mr. Mark Jackson. Good evening, gents. Hi, Mark. Good to see you as always. And uh, also joining us and making pot appearance number nine is Mr. Kieran Duffy. Yeah, it's 173 overall, uh, mm-hmm. according to my Word document. But, uh, you know, thanks for having me on again. Yeah, that's including the written contributions on the old uh, harpinonrugby.net. That's definitely a lot of uh, contributions, all right? Right, gents, before we get to our main topic of discussion, we're going to a feature we call The Front Five, where we pick out five eye-catching, eye-chasing articles from around the rugosphere, so we can offer a few quick thoughts. Starting with yourself, Mark, this comes from Sports News Ireland, where I started uh, writing rugby online back in the day. This is from uh, Jonah McBride, and the headline reads, Leo Collins signs new contract to stay at Leinster Rugby. Yeah, it, uh, when when the news appeared a couple of days ago, there was uh, an enormous sense of relief across the province and fans outside the province as well. Uh, the, the big thing for me is the continuity of leadership still goes there. There's always changes. And I know Mr. Lucifora is uh, mentioned later on in that article about uh, talking about uh, changes happening throughout the off season in the, in the, in the province. And that is both players and coaches coming and going. So it's great to have the continuity of a, a man that has won it as a player and coach and um, has literally gone through the steps and seems to knock, knock every job he does out of the park. So a very, very huge sense of relief, as I said, from, from fans and probably from players as well as like change is, is needed, but maybe not always as much as people think. And, his record sort of speaks for itself and long may it continue well for at least the next two years after this one anyway well we always knew that Stu Lancaster was going to leave at some point but we actually probably thought he was going to leave a couple of years before he he did um he was doing so well but uh, so it's good to get this uh, announcement uh, by way of continuity and there's a lot of names being floated around who might um, join him uh, as an assistant to replace Lancaster so we'll just have to wait and see how that goes Okay, we'll go to yourself, Kieran, for your first article. This is from the Irish Rugby website, the Mothership, and this is uh, we try to cover the All Ireland League when we can, and this is basically just a roundup of Round Fifteen of Division One A from the weekend just gone. Yeah, it's a very comprehensive review, so I definitely recommend checking it out if you're a fan of the AIL. Uh, I don't really, um, it's it's something I, I I feel a bit guilty about not following it, being an Irish rugby fan, because it is where a lot of good players come from. Uh, the two main uh, the two main headlines here are uh, hooker Josh Hadlin helped himself to two tries during Ballina Hinch's bonus point victory over Dublin University. 
and uh, Dylan Donnellan bagged his second brace of tries in the space of a week as tabletoppers Clontarf beat Shannon 33-3 on Toman Park's back pitch. So, um, yeah, Clontarf against Shannon, I mean, you'd imagine um, you'd, you'd expect the team at the top to beat the team at the bottom. That's how it usually goes. It's a fairly comprehensive roundup. It's um, it, a few players, a few different players get a mention. Uh, ben Murphy getting a mention. Kalen Dooley getting a mention. And, um, you know, it's probably a shame the league isn't promoted a bit more, but it's good to see proper write-ups. Um, I, I haven't checked if how the highlights are. I'd hope they have kind of a kind of a highlight package. Uh, we talk about... Uh, you know, in football recently, LOITV.ie has been uh, launched and they, they show every game in the men's and women's. You'd think there, you'd wonder if there'd be room for something like that in the AIL because, uh, you know, as I said, it is kind of where a lot of where a lot of players come from and um, you don't really um, you don't really hear a lot about it. I mean, you could easily go you could easily go weeks without knowing there's knowing there were games on, but uh, there's a yeah, there's a nice comprehensive roundup there from everyone and uh yeah, it's Clontarf uh, still uh, still top of the table. Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Justin Middleton on the pod. He's a rugby commentator. He does a lot of work for the uh, AIL. And um, he said that uh, they definitely need to have more streaming of matches. They they do stream matches. Individual clubs uh, often uh, stream their games live. And uh, like I say, he does the commentary. But uh, they could definitely do with more. But uh, the, because... A lot of Leinster fans would be interested in these games uh, because they they do feature a lot of fringe Leinster players. Like you said, Ben Murphy is there. You see Alex DeRocca, Charlie Tector, all those kinds of names. They often feature in the league and um, they could do with a bit more exposure. And a lot of times it's not even uh, just the streaming. It's the timing issue because uh, just last weekend they had a full round of matches kicking off at half two on a Saturday at exactly the same time as uh, Ireland was playing Italy in the Six Nations. So that definitely doesn't help. But uh, it's good to um, it's good to talk about it here on the pod anyway once in a while and uh, we do try to feature it when we can right we're going to go back to yourself mark for the next article this is from the irish examiner and we're starting to look at the weekend's action from the united rugby championship this is by simon lewis and the headline reads roundtree relieved to leave with bonus after challenging week yeah after 20 minutes of the game uh if you thought roundtree was going to be relieved to get away with a bonus point people probably be checking you into a local uh hospital to have you checked out because it looked one-way traffic for the first half and early into the second half there, but he certainly would, um, certainly would be relieved after after the Scarlets comeback. A, a bit of a, a sort of a definitely a game of two halves. Don't want to get too cliche too early, but um, the article is pretty self-explanatory there from from what they say. And they go through some of the tries that were scored, and, and Munster were very impressive in the first half. They attacked with real depth, real pace, real energy, and I think almost. I think I, I said, you know, the Scarlets were a bit of a shambles at the start of that game. And if Munster had really put the foot down and had focused a little bit more on defence, that could have been a 50, 60 point win. But fair play to the Scarlets for their comeback. They threw it about, but they threw it about intelligently. Um, they still put Munster into areas where they don't want to be playing from. You know, it wasn't all out attack, attack, attack. They played smart. Uh, and, and it was a different team that came out for the Scarlets in the second half. And Munster were pretty porous in the second half defensively too. Uh, fantastic to see uh, Mr. Snayman come back in. Uh, I thought they might have kept on uh, Jean Klein and, and give themselves a South African second row there to, to add a bit more bulk because it seemed that sort of time when the tide was turning and if they had, might have gone back to old school Munster for five, ten minutes and slowed it down, it might have helped them out in the end. But uh, 
encouraging from attack point of view from Munster defensively still some issues to work out for sure okay now we go back to yourself Kieran. this is from Wales Online it's by Ben James and the headline reads 14 men Dragons failed to sign off at home for season with win after late missed drop goals yeah this article is obviously written from a Welsh rugby point of view rather than Irish uh, it's um, it was it was a big win for Connacht in the end but they, they made hard work of it I mean they went behind when Dragons were down to 13 it looked like Early that uh, Connacht were that Dragons. Dragons started well, but then the way Connacht kind of battled back into it and went ahead, and then Dragons gone down to fourteen and actually thirteen for a while. You think, right? This is going to be fairly routine, but uh, Dragons, in fairness to them, look, we know what's going on off the pitch for Wales. It's um, it's quite a tumultuous time. Player, they're talking about I think squads of thirty four players or something next season, which probably won't be enough to fulfill every game really. Uh, but uh, credit to the Dragons, they really battled. And, you know, based on the game, you'd think if they had 15 players on the pitch for the majority of the game, they probably would have won it. Uh, and uh, it came down to really two late, two late missed drop goals. One, uh, one just, uh, one was the wit of the post, really. It just bounced off the post um, and uh, from Davies. And it was, uh, you know, if that had gone over, then suddenly Connacht wouldn't be in the top eight. Uh, and then uh, just um, there was a there was another one there a little bit later. It was very rushed. It was kind of a snapshot. Um, I'd say for Connacht, the, the winner is Jack Carty. Really, they were talking about him on RT there that he recently became the uh, top point scorer. He had to call out, um, come back, pull out late from the lineup due to injury. You know, um, you could see here, you can see how important he is to Connacht because really there was no um, like they just they just didn't manage the game well. And as I said, if Dragons had their full complement, they probably would have won the game. Um, it, it was it is a it is a massive window for Connacht because now they're in a, the top eight. Uh, from my understanding, is they aren't in a year in a place to qualify for the European Cup if they finish eight because the Welsh Shield winners will be below them by the looks of it, and they'd have to finish in the top seven really. Um, still, though, you know, we we think back to what was it now seven years gone. They won the league. Uh, it looked like it was a, it looked like it was kind of a watershed moment. And it just, you know, they've been a better team than they had been before that, but it hasn't really happened for them. So, um, you know, getting into those league playoffs, being there thereabouts, that's it's it's probably it's probably really important for it's probably more important for Connacht than the other team, um, to get into that playoff place. Uh, but um, yeah, look, this this wasn't a very impressive one. Uh, on Jack Hardy, I'd say, um, you know, it's uh, I always I always felt like he probably missed out on a few more Ireland caps than he could have, considering I heard a point made before that he takes most of his kicks in a very windy Galway. Uh, so uh, you know that probably that 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 surely shows his level of skill. But I think uh, you know he he himself wasn't really helped by Joey Carberry being pegged as the Messiah. I think Joey Carberry suffered for that more than anyone. Um, it's probably a bit late from now. It looks like Joey Carby or Jack Crowley will get that um, get get that third fly-off spot after uh, Ross Byrne for the World Cup, considering they have that bit of versatility. But uh, yeah, like uh, Connacht, Connacht need Jack Cardi, and they probably um, they they um, they probably miss uh, Marmion when he's gone as well. Just to mention him, he's he's been a servant to Connacht, and he's always done well for Irish rugby. So uh, yeah, not overly impressive. But look at this stage of the season, I think Connacht just need to keep 
win a game however they do it yeah Connaught didn't get off to the best start to the season they had a few away matches and uh, they had a few defeats to start the campaign but uh, it's good to see them moving back up at least and uh, they're back in the top eight but like you say they'll they'll need a few more results for the end of the season if they're to uh, get into playoffs and into uh, the Champions Cup for next season right it's back to yourself Mark for the fifth and final article this is from the Belfast Telegraph it's Jonathan Bradley and the headline is uh, Ulster hit Cardiff for six as they continue top two bid with bonus point win in Wales a game of, of, of two, oh, sorry, unlike the Munster game where, where it was a game of two halves, this is a very similar game both in both halves. You know, Ulster scored three tries and eight, all converted. Um, Stockdale had his, uh, I think I saw today on, on Twitter, a, a montage of his chip and chase tries that he's done over a few years. It's nice to see him get back on the score sheet. But on the opposite side, he wasn't great defensively and still probably what's going to cost him potentially a World Cup place. Um, you know, when he's fully fit, he's, he's a sight to behold in attack, but I've never really rated his defensive shape. His positioning is poor, and I, I don't think he's great under the high ball for, for a back three. Uh, and he was still cut out a few times here. Um, it was great to see a lot of the Ulster backs, uh, which Bradley mentioned, getting on the on the, on the try, uh, the try sheet, and especially seeing uh, an actual running threat from Billy Burns, you know, which is something that, probably caught Cardiff on the hop a little bit. Uh, he made some, you think he had the most metres of any, or one of the top metres of, of any back in the game, which is something, if, if you're coaching against him, you don't really plan for because he's never really shown a running game as such. Um, but he, he had one of his better games from Ulster recently. And Ulster are quietly getting their act together again, you know, uh, especially in terms of their attack shape. It's four wins out of five. I think they might have been down as low as sixth a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, and they're back up to third now in the table with an outside chance of catching the Stormers. And that's obviously up to Leinster to do them a favour next weekend. And if they, if Ulster keep plugging away, they'll they'll, they'll get their home they'll get their home uh, draws um, for the for the quarters and the semis if they keep going with the gun. It's again like Munster. I still think they're a bit a bit porous in defence. You know, really low. Got a couple of good offloads in there to to create two nice tries, and it, it's that lack of stinginess against relatively poor teams. I, I think Cardiff are probably the the Welsh region, along with the Dragons, that are under most uh, most pressure going forward. With, as as uh, Kieran said, with the the restrictions that are going to be imposed on them in terms of financially and also in squad numbers, at the moment they don't they don't look like they can afford a squad. So somebody's got to come out of the the uh, sugar daddy pot to help them out there going forward. Um, but yeah, um, two solid halves from Ulster. Good game. Six tries never to be sniffed at away in, in, in Wales. Um, but you just hope that they can sort out a couple of defensive issues. Um, and that will probably see them safely in third, but possibly in second if Leinster do them a favour next week. Yeah, things definitely starting to look up for Ulster. It was a bit uh, looking a bit dodgy around uh, Christmas time there, but um, they're they're definitely on the up down. And with a date to come in the Aviva, it's a good time for them to be doing it. Right, so that's it for the front five. As always, you'll find all those links in the program notes. Well, now it's time for us to look at our feature match of the week, which was, of course, Edinburgh v Leinster in round 15 of the 22-23 BKT United Rugby Championship. As always, our match wrap pods are brought to you by the Irish Rugby Shop at elvries.ie. It seemed to be a dry enough evening in the Scottish capital as Leinster made their first visit to the Dam Health Stadium, located in the shadow of Murrayfield, where Scotland and Ireland will face each other next weekend. And just before kickoff, there was a shot of a decent section of travelling support over from Ireland. 
Harry Byrne got the match underway, but it was the home side that got off to the brighter start as they won early turnovers that both are breakdown and lineout. Then, after winning a penalty that looked to be in Emilio Buffelli's kicking range, they chose instead to go for the corner. When Mata's first effort was denied due to a double movement, Harry Byrne's clearing kick from the penalty failed to find touch, meaning Edinburgh were having another go at us, Mark. Yeah, um, a very anti-Leinster start, uh, considering every week we talk about how we get out of blocks very quickly and put teams under pressure and, and uh, the roles were reversed this week. You know, Edinburgh were very aggressive ball in hand. They, uh, they ran at Leinster pretty direct early on, which, you know, if you're not up for it, we, we fell off a few tackles, didn't make some of those dominant hits that we were used to early on. Um, and actually when you, when you look at the, at the try being scored after a few phases build up to get into the 22 fairly easy, uh, uh, Mata was a destructive force when he was on the pitch all day long you know, he wasn't looking for offloads early. He was he was getting his shoulder down and then putting people on the back foot. And we were we were pretty passive in the first sort of 10, 15 minutes for me. Um and you'd usually see Buffelli finishing tries from further out, but he, he got in on a lovely short line and Scott Penny and I think it might be Max Deegan as well failed to hold him up. He's he's a bit of a lump for 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 a back three player. So you know, if if you look at it with, with, with your coaching hat on and be really critical, maybe we were a bit too high in the contact early on, and we we could have stopped him because it's one back running against relatively three experienced, strong Leinster forwards. So I don't think they'd be too happy with that. Monday morning video analysis might have a couple of lads saying my mea culpa, mea culpa, but um, he finished it well and uh, got Edinburgh on the board early doors. Yeah, I suppose anyone listening to this that's not a Leinster fan would be really annoyed at me saying this. But uh, the fact is, is that uh, even though despite the final result here, Leinster will have a lot to look at on Monday morning, like you say, um, uh, at the start of the match and at the end. Not everything went our way. And I suppose... uh, because we do, uh, we are known for getting off to good starts. It means that teams are going to be more keen to go at us the way Edinburgh did on the day, and that's definitely what happened. But anyway, uh, Buffelli was unable to convert his own try, meaning it was five 0 after seven minutes. Yet when their exit kick from the restart went only as far as the returning Kieran Frawley, it gave us a chance to go for a quick reply, Kieran. Yeah, uh, good to see Frawley back first of all. But it was all a bit easy. Um, it's kind of the opposite of what you what you'd be thinking Edinburgh had to do. I mean, they uh, they didn't manage it well. I think um, I think it was maybe maybe they themselves weren't expecting to go ahead that early, but uh, yeah, eleven minutes gone. Leinster just kind of worked their way up the pitch for about two minutes, and then Luke McGrath. We talk about him a lot. He's a he's a very good playmaker for Leinster, um, and they found Max Deegan, who just he just kind of walked through. I mean, I, look, I've never played rugby at a high level. I'm not going to pretend I would have done better in that situation, but uh, for the level for the level they're at, it was fairly soft tackling. It looked like and. Uh, it kind of looked a bit like maybe they just Edinburgh just switched off a little bit, um. You know, maybe they maybe the there was so much adrenaline from that early start and they kind of didn't know didn't know what to do with it. Uh, but it was a bit soft. Uh, Harry Byrne converted it. I uh, thought it was a big game for Harry Byrne, but um, you know, as I said, good to see Kieran Frawley uh, start. It was interesting that he was at fifteen rather than ten. It looks like Harry Byrne's kind of getting this block of games before the. Uh, URC or the sorry before the European Cup um as uh as 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 the ten uh, before Sexton and Ross Byrne come back into it hopefully healthy and fit um but uh Kieran Frawley it'll be interesting to see how he fits in because he's good enough to play we've seen him play center fullback we've seen him play fly half it'll be interesting to see where he fits in but uh it was a bit soft it was a bit easy for Lancer you can't uh you, you know we talked about quick starts it wasn't uh, it wasn't the most 
wasn't the most beautiful looking try, but it was just kind of worked your way up the pitch and Max Deegan walked through easy enough and uh, you can't can't be letting that happen. And like you say, Harry did add those extras, making it 7-5 to Leinster after just 12 minutes, but it was Edinburgh's turn to reply when Ross Maloney was judged offside, giving our host another go at us in the 22 mark. Yeah, a couple of soft penalties then after, um, you said Edinburgh didn't exactly switch on and we certainly didn't switch on for the next sort of 5-10 minutes either. Um, A little bit similar how how, uh, Edinburgh got into our danger zone, into that 5-10 metre area outside uh, by by pretty porous high tackling, especially around the fringes. You know, there was still, Mata was still doing damage and eventually it it worked his way uh, about 5 or 6 metres out. And I I think this, this was a a bit very much not in Reese Ruddock's uh, favour here. He got we went very high on the tackle. Guy got underneath him. I think it was Sam Skinner and eventually uh, a, a very eagle-eyed referee saw the spot down before before anybody else did. I think Leinster were a little bit shocked there. Um, but similar to the a little bit passive in our in our defence again, which was which I think would be one of the major messages as I said come Monday morning's video session. Um a better team than Edinburgh. Not that Edinburgh are a bad team. They, they, they still were had a few Scottish internationals there, but did a few missing too, like ourselves. Um, you know, I think if we're that passive come Ulster, we could find ourselves uh, behind again. Not that we have any problem coming from behind against Ulster, but, you know, it's, it's a case where when you get a chance of what you would term Leinster's second choice, maybe third choice selections, these are the days where Leo will go, I've given you a chance and you've not exactly taken it by the scruff of the neck here. So this is why when the internationals come back, they're almost automatic selections. You know, in these games, you're going to have to have one of those worldly type games where you literally make no mistakes for you to be considered. And, and that comes down to a trust thing with, with, with coaches. You know, you've got to have that, that trust issue with, with, with some players. And listen, nobody had a terrible game, but... This is why you're talking about the top 1% of, of, of players in the game, especially in our own country. You know, these guys don't make those kind of mistakes. You know, you look at and, and to even attempt to criticise somebody like Reese Ruddock is, is sort of a bit laughable, but he was a bit passive along with a couple of, 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 the, of the pack early on and that allowed, allowed Edinburgh to get on the front foot too often too early for my liking. Absolutely. And this time, Buffelli made good with the conversion, restoring the home side's five-point lead, which he then extended to eight after another offside call gave him a shot at the post on 18 minutes. Leinster then started working the touchline, and we soon found ourselves back in the 22, where it was Edinburgh's turn to ship some penalties close to the line, which allowed us to go back to our tap-and-go playbook, Kieran. Yeah, so uh, just before uh, Scott Penny got over for a try, um, Leinster had advantage, Harry Byrne put in a kick. Got the sense it was a bit rushed, maybe trying to make up for... An early mistake, uh, as you mentioned, and uh, just it just went there. We went back for the penalty. I suppose it's no harm doing when you have an advantage, but uh, more tap and goes. We talked about these days; they've kind of become fashionable again in Leinster, in in, in Leinster and in rugby in general. And uh, it makes sense why, because you can see, um, you, you know, when you have a when you have a scrum, when you have a line out, you can lose the ball a lot easier. When you have a tap and go, sometimes you can take the opposition off guard a little bit. Uh, Scott Penny got over fairly easy. I know there are people giving out about him not be, being in the when he was in the Ireland squad. Um, well, uh, I'm sure he was happy to. I'm sure he was happy to get that try there. But uh, yeah, I like the. Um, I, I like the. I like that we went for a tap and go there. I mean, I think uh, you know we were momentum was it, it was a slow start. Look, we we all agree that, but momentum was just starting to. 
score our way. So I think it uh it made it made sense not to you know if you go for a liner you're kind of stopping and restarting again. You're breaking up play. Um, the uh, the opposition could kind of challenge you there. Whereas a tap and go, it's harder. It seems to be harder to defend. I say that as someone who's, as I said, never really played at any level. But it, from the looks of it, it's a bit harder to defend. Uh, so uh, yeah, good try by Scott Penny again. It was a bit easier. I'd say Edinburgh be a bit disappointed that um, you know, twenty three minutes in, they've they've probably dominated the game. Their their lead's been cut to one point from two fairly soft tries and. Uh, Harry Byrne, uh, Harry Byrne did convert it. I as far yeah he did. Um, so uh, you know it was um, it was um, it was all a bit easy, and suddenly it's a one point game when it probably should be eight or maybe more point game. Uh, so um, yeah, I think it was. I think that was kind of the turning point, and uh, then sure, Lancer went ahead shortly after. Yeah, we seem to be saying it every other week now. Uh, death taxes and Scott Penny tries, and uh, Max Deegan uh, definitely knows how to find the try line as well in this competition. When when you the two of them are on the team sheet. You definitely expect them to uh, get on the score sheet, you know. But um, also, there's that tap and go, like you say, um, option. It's uh, getting to a stage where we expect tries from them more often than not. And um, it becomes a talking point when we don't, and which we'll get to later on. But uh, again, Harry's place kick was good, making it 15-14 to the home side after 23 minutes. And after our next couple of possessions saw us bundled into touch a bit too easily, on the half-hour mark, we did start making some progress through the middle mark. Yeah, um... Nicely finished off by a fellow loose head prop. Always great to see, but that's just testament to his fitness to get up after a couple of uh, mini breaks that was then extended. Uh, so Frawley had, had, had a nice hand in this move as well. Turner uh, involved a couple of times, who somebody would probably mention later on in our in our final thoughts. But uh, it's good to see Frawley get, get a run uh, regardless of where he plays. And, and as I said, I think it, it reeks a little bit of Andy Farrell having a... Having he's a big Frawley fan by all accounts and if he can add full back to his repertoire of positions along with 10-12 there's still a an outside chance of a rugby world cup place coming in late there for me uh, I think he might actually overtake potentially Crowley and, and Carberry if if he gets a run of games and especially if he gets into say the 23 come the Heineken cup but uh, he showed some lovely uh, some lovely footwork and contact offload then to Dave Carney who was like a rocket down the middle um, great trailing line again from Turner. I, I, I'd love to have a look at that if I was Edinburgh to see if he'd knocked it on on the floor slightly when he was placing it there. Nobody mentioned it really when I when I was looking back at it again today. I thought we might have got away with one, but the uh, the whole premise of Leinster rugby make a break support lines were fantastic. You know, guys flooding through it. It was great to see um, Michael Mill come around the corner and Leinster just outworked. Most of Leinster's tries are coming from Leinster just literally outworking. Edinburgh trying to get around the corner, beating him around the corner, and, and Millen got two tries, and his first one was, was was good. A good little finish after a nice little offload from, I think it was from McGrath. And, uh, yeah, fantastic try, actually. One of my favourites of the day. Yeah, I was looking on Twitter at full time for some of the reactions of the Scottish fans, and a couple of them were saying that... Uh, there was one try that they thought was looked a little bit dodgy. Now, they weren't taking anything away from Leinster's performance, but they, they did say that there was one try. And I kind of agree. I thought this one might have been called back as well. But um, 
he did still show some good strength coming through the middle there after the tackle and like you say he had a good all-round performance and uh, then uh, Harry made it uh, three place kicks from three giving us a six point cushion and a froggy spill gave Edinburgh yet another chance to respond but our defence forced a knock on and then much like the Irish team in Rome last week we chose to play on after a line out as the clock went red luckily although we did turn the ball over it wasn't as costly as our host chose to kill the half leaving the score at the break Edinburgh 15 Leinster 21 Shortly after the restart, the Leinster defensive line looked like it had ticked up an extra gear and forced Edinburgh to kick possession away, and then they won a scrum advantage from a Luke McGrath knock-on, yet chose to play on against our cordon of tacklers, which proved to be a costly decision, Kieran. Yeah, so uh, I just said it came from, a, from Edinburgh possession. Uh, Edinburgh had the advantage, and uh, Sykes was doing well. He made a bit of ground. I think he actually had a fairly good game. You know, you're looking at this and thinking... Um, Look, uh, you've probably dominated the half for the most part, but then uh, you go in behind and you're thinking Edinburgh, they needed to come out quick, maybe a bit eager. Um, I don't know who it was, but the ball ended up uh, being lost on the ground. And uh, Leinster gathered it, McGrath, Luke McGrath again, he passed it to Jordan Larmer, who really looked like he was playing with something to prove. Uh, I really, um, you know, I, I think in fairness to him, uh, I just said a few weeks ago, he was probably trying to be a bit, uh, do a bit too much. I think he did, he probably, he, Probably was playing a better kind of game today, and uh, he broke down the he broke down the right, uh, and that uh, that got Leinster well into the Edinburgh half, and then uh, it was actually Osborne Osborne I think with the crossfield kick rather than Harry Byrne, um, put um, and um, it was it was one of these GAA catches we talk about a lot in rugby. We love talking about the GAA catches. Well, uh, Dave Carney he leapt up and he he did very well to catch it and to touch it down. I think he was nearly over the line over the over the end line when he when he caught it. Uh, so um you know it was it was very much a counter attack. Edinburgh probably should have uh, probably should have held on to possession there. But then uh you know credit to Larmer and credit to Osborne with the vision. Um and uh Dave Carney, I mean he did fantastically well to to catch the ball and touch it down. We talk about um we talk about James Lowe's athleticism there for the try that some people have a problem with against France. But uh Oh yeah, it was certainly uh, it was it was there was no doubt about this one, and uh, it was a it was a it was a good it was a it was one worth worth rewatching. I would say absolutely, and it was ironic in where we were playing because we're used to playing Edinburgh in Murrayfield, where um, the space over the try line uh, pretty much has its own time zone. It's that deep, but uh, in this case, um, you know, Dave's uh, space was limited, and uh, he still managed to get the ball down. Hi, it's Jeff here. Just cutting in to let you know that we went on to chat a bit more about Dave Carney and his career for both Leinster and Ireland. If you want to hear it, be sure to check out our YouTube channel. And while you're there, why not subscribe? We're always putting up extra clips on our pods. And you also can see the full version of our preview show there every Friday. Right, back to our Edinburgh v Leinster wrap. So anyway, Harry just failed to convert Dave's try from the touchline, making it 26-15 to Leinster after 42 minutes. But Edinburgh weren't done just yet. After we bobbled the restart, they recovered before winning a penalty that put them back in our 22 mark. Yeah, Buffelli's second try, a little bit more like his his normal uh, scores. Uh, Again, the video session is is just a switch off of focus, really. You know, there's a couple of bad reads, there's a couple of missed tackles. There's a decent play from Edinburgh as well. Don't get me wrong, like Edinburgh... Ended up scoring 27 points, which will drive Leo and the, the coaching staff up the wall to concede to concede uh, four tries, I think. Was it was it four tries? Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, got, they got the bonus point uh, there. And, and no less than they deserve, to be honest with you. You know, Edinburgh causes some problems. Um, and again, not with their full side. 
So if if you're if you're an Ulster coach analyst, you'd, you'd be looking at this game and going, where can we attack uh, Leinster and what what sort of benefit can we get out of it? That that's what I would take from 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 both uh, an opposition coach's point of view and as well as your own video analysis. You know, Buffelli's a very under the radar player in terms of how people talk about world rugby players, right? He's predominantly a wing, but can obviously slot into fullback. He's 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 a great kicker. He's a very powerful runner. He's a very good passer of the ball. He's a little bit like Hernandez was, um, you know, for Argentina for years. And I think he's very underrated. Those of us that watch the URC week in week out and watch World Rugby would obviously rate him quite highly. But he's one of those players that has come over and been to a few clubs, been around France, and come over to Edinburgh now, and and he's. He's probably their most important player when everybody's back. You know, he's well up there, I'd say, in terms of percentages of their points scored, both tries, and obviously he's their main kicker. He's he's a danger man whenever Edinburgh play. And um, I thought he had, a, he had a very good game as well, along with Mata. You know, they're, they're two main imports. They, they do a lot of the dog, especially for them when uh, the Scottish players are away in the Autumn Internationals and coming up to now uh, as we're in the middle of the Six Nations. You know, they're their two sort of talismans that they build build their momentum around. And uh, yeah, it was a good finish. Again, Leinster mistake first off, but they finished it well. You know, they they showed they showed us up in a couple of, of, of occasions and it's well worth noting how good Buffelli is uh, for Edinburgh and actually Argentina coming into the World Cup. We know how they always peak and and they might might have a few quid on them getting to the final actually that other side of the draw yeah i think there was a game against us in november a couple of years ago it was argentina against ireland where a buffelli missed a few kicks but um Pretty sure that was the exception, not the rule. I mean, I was speaking to Sandy Smith, an Edinburgh fan there during the week, and he said that um, Bovelli's just back from injury and uh, he was really uh, important to their play. And uh, just a shout out to Mata as well. It was a great offload uh, leading up to the try. Now, um, unfortunately, the two Leinster tacklers, they both went low on him, which means he could get one of those, do one of those big, uh, lift his arms up and get the offload away. Um, Mick McCarthy in the commentary box said it was, uh, it was like he was holding a, a loaf of Hovis bread. But um, yeah, no, it was, a, it was a great try for Buffelli, all right, and uh, definitely what they needed. I think his injury has affected Edinburgh's drop down the table. You know, they started mm-hmm. off a bit better, and it's no, it's no coincidence when he's been missing for them that they 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 had a pretty poor run going there and looking at the table you'd expect edinburgh from where they were to be a bit disappointed with their current situation Absolutely. And again, Buffelli was unable to convert his own try, meaning it was now 20-26 after 45 minutes, so still all to play for. But then Leinster were awarded a penalty in midfield that had us back attacking from a line-out in their 22, Kieran. Yeah, it was a, it was, it was um, a, a not not as soft try. I found this time uh, it was better defence by Edinburgh, but still uh, Frawley nearly got over. And then Milner for his second try, he just pulled those over the line. He actually had quite a good game, I thought. Um Harry Byrne converted. I, I remember thinking here when Harry got the conversion, right, it's 13 points. It'd be good if Harry stays on until this win is kind of a bit more a bit more sealed. Uh, not to rob Charlie Tector of the of the uh, experience. I just think, though, if Harry Byrne is, if he's, you look, look uh, Sexton, we don't know, is he going to retire after the World Cup? It's Ross Byrne next. So um, if it's either going to be Harry Byrne or Kieran Frawley, probably ahead of Tector and Prendergast. So um, you'd be looking at it. I, I was hoping he'd stay on and have the experience to manage the game and close out a bit. 
Uh, but uh, Milne, he just he just bulldozed over the line. There's not a lot you can do when uh, someone's running at you like that. But uh, I was glad to see Harry not be pulled off there because uh, I didn't actually think the game had been won at that moment. But uh, looking back, that probably was the killer try. And another two from Harry's boot stretched our lead to 13 after 52 minutes. And we were now going to our bench with McKee, Jenkins and Ruddock being replaced by Barron, Deeney and Connors. After Bennett's attempted clearance went out in the full, it meant we had yet another line out at their 22 mark. Yeah, we, we sort of started turning the screw up until the uh, the Alatoa try, and it, it was just a bit old school Leinster. We just kept pounding away at it. You know, we, we beat them around the corner, beat them around the corner, and just to, they outworked the Leinster, or sorry, the Edinburgh forwards at that stage. And when you've got big guys running against smaller guys with pace and power, you know, it's it's that Leinster twenty two power game as we call it. You know, they revert the type and they're so well drilled at it and the recycling of ball was excellent and the carries were good and low and even if there might one or two might have been slightly slower than, than expected they they're always able to regenerate quick ball from slow ball it's 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 a, it's a very very good skill and obviously one that the forwards have worked on time and time and time again with uh mcbride and previously with fogarty and previously with leo himself when he was forwards coach you know it's 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 been in their uh back pocket for you know, a long, long time, that power game, if things aren't aren't as fluid as, as usual out wide, they can always rely on it. And it was a good carry again. And and I know I know Tom Coleman was probably enjoying a couple of points, seeing three tries from props as as I was myself. It's always nice to see the, the low digits get 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 scores. Um I actually thought the Leinster front row around the park and at line out time were, were excellent. Just a quick word on John McKee. I thought he had a super, super performance and He's, he's, I call him anti-Samson because since he's cut his hair, he's come on leaps and bounds. He's obviously more aerodynamic. His darts were very good. He was very good in defence, actually. And he he uh, contributed. He's, he's, he's a bit like Kelleher for me in terms of he does... He might not do the flashy stuff in the 15-metre channels, but he's 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 certainly put on some good pounds and he's, he's doing the hard yards really, really well. But yeah, good finish again from Alatoa. Um, getting around the corner, good, good little offload to him, and he uh, he got over in a similar position to to Milne's tries as well. Yeah, we were talking earlier on about uh, Dave Carney's run in this particular block of matches, and the fact is the the for these four games, um, Leinster have pretty much the same starting lineup, which is really good for individual combinations like the front row. It means they can get time together and feel more comfortable, and we're definitely getting the benefit from it, and it's uh, definitely good to see. So anyway, this was arguably the best place kick of the evening from Harry, making it all of a sudden double scores, uh, 20 to 40 after 56 minutes. And just in case that cushion wasn't comfortable enough, we came straight back at them from the restart, Kieran. Yeah, it all happened very fast. And, uh, you know, it it, um, it was kind of typical Leinster just piling on the piling on the tries at this stage. It looked like it, it looked like it could have been a, could have it, it, it looked like it could have been maybe 60 points, maybe even pushing 70. Uh, not that Edinburgh deserved to lose by that much, but uh, Larmer, another good break. Uh, again, just uh, just quietly probably playing himself into contention for bigger games. I think Jimmy O'Brien's still ahead of him. Obviously, Hugo Keenan's going to start at a uh, fullback. So, um, you know, it's, it's probably one of those wing places that he's going to be looking at. Uh, Milne involved again, uh, kind of powered his way up. And uh, Harry Bur- when Harry Byrne found Turner, uh, it was again a big pass by Turner out to Scott Penny. He likes a big pass, Turner. And Scott Penny uh, did well. And, uh, you know, those those two tries, um, again, Penny hasn't, he hasn't really... He, he, a lot of people were, were unsure about his inclusion. 
over uh, in the Ireland squad. I think uh, it wasn't certainly wasn't Leinster Leinster fans, but uh, as you said, he did uh, fall. He did fall out of the try scoring a little bit. This is a uh, these these games are big for the likes of him because look, Ireland has no shortage of back row talent. Neither does neither does Leinster. Uh, so um, you know, if he can prove effective in these games, that'll go a long way to maybe a place on the bench and ultimately a start. Because we look at uh, we're ideally going to have games in the latter ends of the European Cup and the URC playoffs around the same time. So uh, you know, the squad's going to have to be used. And a good conversion by Harry Byrne just before all the changes came in. Yeah, and that was his sixth conversion out of seven, making it uh, 47-20. And as it turned out, Leinster's scoring was done for the evening, around the 62-minute mark. Now, often we've seen our bench able to continue the clinical finishing and the strangling defense, but on this occasion, it wasn't quite happening for us. In those closing stages, almost everything went wrong, first with the ball, as we had a couple of rare misfires on short tap-and-go chances, and then we shipped a couple of scrum penalties. And there was a bittersweet end to the match for Scott Penn as he was awarded player of the match yet had to go off injured leaving us with just 14 men for the last 10 minutes and just before the end Edinburgh managed a bonus point try of their own courtesy of Sam Skinner as Brian Deeney also saw a yellow card in the end it was Harry Byrne who ended the match although he too looks like he picked up a knock but at least the victory was well beyond doubt at that stage with the final score Edinburgh 27 Leinster 47 Well, now it's time for just a few final thoughts, starting with yourself, Mark. Yeah, just want to touch on that Scott Penny injury. I think that could be quite nasty. I think it looks like a, a dislocated shoulder, potentially, even though he, he smacked his elbow. When you, if you slow it down, as I'm a bit of a sadist like that because of my physio background. He uh, That shoulder did not look too good coming off. He was being held by the physio and his jersey was probably holding him up there. So fingers crossed it's, it's not too bad going forward uh, because I do think he has stolen a march on Will Connors as the or as our backup seven, to be honest with you. I thought Connors looked a little bit off off the pace when he came on. I know it's hard to impose yourself in a game with only 15, 20 minutes on the pitch, but um, you know, Will Will has, has suffered with some injuries as well, which sort of derailed his because at one stage we had Van der Fleer, Penny and Connors all absolutely flying. And it's a good thing that that Josh seems to be made of granite at the moment. Hopefully, touch wood that nothing happens because the backup seven position might actually be a little bit light if uh, Penny is out for a while and if if Connor still struggles to, to reinsert himself with what he has. But on the game itself, um, I know everybody was purring. I mentioned McKee already. I thought he had a great game, but I'll, I'll touch on two aspects of the game. The 10-12-13 combination is one we could see for Leinster for, for a while. You know, I don't know yourself and Tom and Connor and all the lads on, on the WhatsApp group were all purring about it. What was great to see was Osborne's kicking game as well. He's, he's a bit of a block. He's going to get bigger, which is scary. He, you know, he may have found his position now at 12. I thought he might have been a 13 or potentially with, with that howitzer of a boot at fullback. But you've got all these younger guys coming through who have, because they're basic skills levels, their catch pass, their tackling, their kicking game is so good. That's why they cover so many positions. You know, Jimmy O'Brien, Jimmy O'Brien's now 26, I think, you know, so he's, he's, he's not exactly a, a youngster anymore. Uh, but you got Keenan, who can play wing center in a bind, you know, all do it. And Osborne's a similar player, except he's six foot four and potential to get up to maybe the same size as Stuart McCluskey as, as he just naturally puts on some weight with, with, with a couple of years in the gym. He's an exciting player. Liam Turner is a fantastic player. I think he's 
he's very, very much in that Gordon Darcy type center. And I know we were speaking about Darcy and O'Driscoll and their combinations over the years. If you remember when Darcy actually got player of the year, he was actually at 13 when O'Driscoll was injured. You know, we actually played two 13s for a long time as opposed to a 12 and a 13. I think Turner is very similar to Darcy in in the way he runs his angles from the center. And I actually think he's probably got a better passing game as well. You know, he doesn't look the biggest kid in the world, but he's stocky. He's got good feet. He's got great balance and has a lot to his game. And, and again, it's probably the best I've seen from Harry Byrne in a long time, particularly in defense. You know, he, he, can, he has been a bit callow at times uh, in terms of his passiveness, I think, with uh, being a taller, bigger 10, he probably took after Johnny a lot in terms of trying to absorb tackles and see if he could get a, a rip in there. But he's he, he put a couple of big old hits in on, on, uh, on, on, on the evening and that was really encouraging to see. And he looks a little bit tougher now than he, than he has been. Um, the issues for me would be the opening 20 in the last 20. You know, we're a little bit slow out of box and all those changes didn't help in the last 20, but... It was just a little bit ragged. Um, and again, as I said, a better teams in Edinburgh probably would have put another score on us at the end. Um, so, you know, all in all, very encouraging. Great to see some players coming back, especially Frawley, both from a Leinster and Ireland point of view. Um, 10, 12, 13 combination. As you said, those combinations, the more they get to play together, the more confident they'll be. The communication levels are, 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 are going to get better and they just know what each other is going to be doing. So it's, it's only good for us um going forward uh just iron out those uh couple of passive bits in defense and i think um we'll go on to the stormers coming over here with, with, with a lot of confidence absolutely kieran yeah look um it's it's a good thing when you, we've said it before it's a good thing when you can win a game away from home by 20 points and there's a lot of work ons uh, especially when you do it with your kind of second third string um, look, uh, we uh, most importantly, the only point that needs to be made is we won the Irish Shield, the most prestigious of all trophies. Uh, I actually do wonder. Um, obviously, obviously, for a European Cup qualification, you need the best team to win, so the top ranked team should qualify. I'd wonder though, would there be a per- would there be uh, an idea of having the shields just be determined between the teams against the. Uh, the provinces, the teams from the same country, but uh, that's probably a it's probably a needless conversation for the off season <laughs> when there's no other rugby going on. But uh, we're uh, yeah, look, uh, it was a uh, it was it was a uh, it was a slow start and a slow end. Uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't vintage Leinster got the job done mainly in the middle of the mainly in the the latter stage of the first half and then early in the second half. Todd Edinburgh, Todd Edinburgh looked impressive, and uh, you know they they could probably. Um, could probably feel hard done by if they miss out uh, on the playoff spot. They they looked, funny enough, they looked better than Connick did yesterday in uh, in Connick winning game. Uh, but I um, yeah, look, I I think it's always great to see uh, new faces come on for Leinster, and we're going to need them in the World Cup. We know there are going to be a huge number of players for Leinster missing. Uh, basically, everyone who would normally be starting big games will probably be on the, in the in the World Cup. We're going to have the whole summer to debate the World Cup, uh, to the World Cup squad. But uh, there's, um, you know, it's it's a big chance for you're thinking the next World Cup. It's a big chance for these players to put their hand up uh, to be to start getting into Ireland contention. So uh, you know, look, there's bigger games to come. We'll need to be a lot better against Ulster in the last 16 of the European Cup, and if it gets to a quarter final, we'll need to be a lot better again. We'll need to be a lot better in um, the latter stage of the URC. It looks like we're going to top the league now and get a home 
home route to the final and a home final if we get there. Uh, because uh, by my calculation, another four points, uh, even if Stormers w- win all their games, would uh, would make it so Leinster are definitely going to top the league. Uh, I think, um, yeah, yeah. Look, it's 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 not the most, not probably not going to be the most memorable uh, game, and uh, but uh, these games are important to kind of slog them out in the international break. I I don't know if uh, any of these players did enough to kind of maybe. Scott Penny had a good game, but with his injury, I don't know if anyone else did enough to really put their hand up for inclusion uh, when all the internationals are back. So, um, yeah, look, a, a win is a win, and uh, there's plenty to work on. That's probably good because I think, uh, you know, one one thing that probably hampered the likes of Larmer and maybe Joey Carberry for Ireland is they came into an Ireland setup that everything was going perfectly well, everything was going great. They came in, we beat New Zealand, they came in, we won a Grand Slam. Then suddenly things went off the rails a bit. So it's no it's no harm having uh, it's great if you can win games, but it's no harm having to play against a bit of adversity and having to play when things aren't going particularly well. So uh yeah look not a, not the best win but uh, it's good when you can win by 27 points and say it's not your best win. Okay so now it's time to take a look at a few full time takes from around social media starting with our Facebook page and there was a lot of just one word uh, comments here and you know for what ended up anyway being a relatively straightforward win for Leinster. Uh, first we had uh, Peter Murphy saying sad to see so many doubters before the game. We had uh, Kevin Callahan saying uh, the machine keeps on delivering and then finally Chris McDonald just said seriously good. Can't argue with that. Um, then on Twitter, uh, Miriam Collins said, uh, Frawley was excellent on his return, and Deegan and Penny were mighty as always. But with his two tries and all his other play in the loose, I have to go for Mickey Milne as uh, player of the match. And then we also had Catherine L. pointing out that uh, that's Leinster winning the Irish Shield in the URC, as we also said on the pod. And then just to give a Scottish uh, angle, a Scottish rugby blog said, uh, getting pumped by Leinster B, but getting a four-try bonus looks slightly prescient, No. And uh, that just leaves us with Mastodon and Rich Mifsud, regular contributor. He said uh, it was a poor start, but credit to Edinburgh for that. Good response to the boys. Very clinical in their 22. And then finally, uh, Brian from Contarf says, uh, best performance by Harry Byrne for some time. He's really growing into it. And uh, if you haven't joined the social media conversation for Leinster matches, why not give it a go? I tend to go on Mastodon during the match these days, although we still do the post for full-time thoughts over on our Facebook page. So now it's time to look at the uh, full set of results from round 15 of the United Rugby Championship. And they were uh, Glasgow 50, Zebra 8, Munster 49, Scarlets 42, Stormers 29, Sharks 23, Bulls 25, Lions 29, Edinburgh 27, Leinster 47, Ospreys 20, Benetton 21, Dragons 20, Connor 22, and Cardiff 20, Ulster 42. And that leaves the table looking like this. Leinster very close to clinching top spot with 71 points. And remember, all the teams have played 15 matches at this stage. Second place is the Stormers with 59. Then you've got Ulster with 54. And then it gets kind of close. There's Glasgow 49, Munster 47, Bulls 43, Sharks 41. And running up the top eight, there's Connett with 39. And it's close behind them as well. In ninth place, there's Benetton with 38. Then it's Cardiff 34, Lions 33, Edinburgh 32. 
22, Ospreys 30, Scarlet's 29, Dragons 19, and at the bottom, there's Zebra with 8 points. Now, uh, the URC takes a couple weeks off, of course, as the Six Nations comes to a close, and it's back on March 24th, the Friday, with Zebra v. Cardiff, and of course, that top-of-the-table clash between Leinster and the Stormers. And then on the Saturday, March 25th, you've got Benetton v. Lions, Ospreys v. Dragons, Connaught v. Edinburgh, Scarlet's v. Sharks, Munster v. Glasgow, and Ulster v. Bulls. Right, lads, we're going to leave it there. Many thanks to Mark and Kieran for coming on, and we hope to have you both on again soon. Thanks, lads. Cheers, gents. So that's it for this week. Be sure and subscribe to our podcast feed if you haven't already. Keep an eye on our website, harpinandrugby.com, for all our features during the week. We're back to the Scottish capital next weekend for the Six Nations this time. We will, of course, be giving that the full Harpen treatment with an all-provincial panel for a bonus pod during the week, a preview Friday, a wrap pod which we'll record on Monday due to the Sunday kickoff, and all the usual features in between. As always, feel free to send us your thoughts. Email us at paganoblog at gmail.com or get us on any or all of our social media platforms. You'll find the links in the program notes. Until next time, stay safe, everyone. Slán.